from the Alaska Airline Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't make them like us. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. We got to have that This is the Blitz at 6. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Wednesday, July 22nd. Thanks for hanging out this morning, getting up bright and early. Maybe you just didn't sleep because you're so excited for baseball. Thursday, baseball on our televisions. And then on Friday, the Mariners with their home opener against the Houston Astros. Marco Gonzalez is going to be on the mound. We'll hear from him later in the hour. He joined Danny and Gallant yesterday to talk about the opening day starter role. Also, Scott Service had some thoughts on his role as tone setter in that lineup. But also, yesterday in the inter-squad game, Kendall Graveman on the mound, really shining for the M's. Four innings, eight strikeouts, and just one walk. Pretty excited for him as he makes his way back onto the mound after Tommy John surgery. What is it like to go from facing off against the Mariners as a member of the Oakland Athletics a couple years ago to then being a part of their starting rotation? And he'll get a start on Monday. Might be an emotional one for him, which is pretty cool. Also yesterday, how about just a couple more home runs uh, from, from the young guys, from the young squad? Kyle Lewis and Evan White, both going yard, as well as Jose Marmaleo. So we'll play you some highlights. We'll discuss all ahead in this hour. Plus, the NFL deciding to pare down those rosters for training camp, just the latest uh, to be agreed upon between the NFL and the players yesterday. But still, a couple things on the table we'll discuss ahead. Right now, let's get to your headlines. The Mariners showcased plenty of highlight reel footage and moments in just four and a half innings of inter-squad play yesterday. Scott Service summing it up. Wow, go crazy there at the end the guys really swung the bats tonight uh which was great to see and um outstanding uh another really outstanding effort for uh, kendall graveman he's ready to roll so uh, a lot of good stuff out there tonight um we're getting closer uh, we've got one more to get through tomorrow and, and then we'll jump on a plane but uh, a lot of good things out there tonight really happy with what i saw particularly on the mound i thought that graveman uh, was outstanding more on Kendall in just a moment, but first, let's talk about the offensive side of things. Kyle Seeger, Asadola, Jose Marmaleos each recorded two hits yesterday. Sieg's doubling to right center in the top of the first. They have the shift off to Kyle. Swing and a fly ball into the gap in right center field. That's going to get down for extra bases all the way to the one-inch track to the wall. Seeger heading for second. Up of the ball is Kelnick to throw in. It's going to be cut off by the second baseman, Shedlong Jr. Kyle in at second base with a two-out double. While Marmaleo's really breaking up in the offensive floodgates, a three-run home run in the same frame for him. Here's a swing and a drive deep to left field. Bishop going back to the warning track to the wall. Goodbye baseball. Jose Marmaleo's with an opposite field three-run home run. Into the visiting bullpen, and the Steelheads have an early 3-0 lead here in the top of the first inning. For Marmaleos, his first home run of summer camp. Man, this kid is some kind of strong. He goes the other way. Scott Service making sure to shout him out yesterday after after the inter-squad matchup. Really good night for Marmaleos, too. Uh, I want to throw that in there. I thought uh, you can really see his at-bats start coming together here the last three or four days. He's got a good swing. He knows the strike zone. Certainly got uh, power. We saw it today going out the opposite field. And uh, 
consistently gives you good at bat. Um, and his swing is so simple. I think he's got a chance to hit and, and be consistent. And that's all you're looking for. So uh, really happy for him. Um, you know, we're trying to get down to the end of camp here. We're making some final decisions and big night for him tonight. Even more fireworks later in the game after hitting a foul ball out of the ballpark and maybe possibly to the moon. Earlier in the game, first baseman Evan White barreled up a solo shot in the top of the fifth. Here comes the fastball, the 3-2 fastball swung on, belted deep to left field. Bishop going back, and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. And the Mariners' bullpen, Evan White looking for the fastball. Got it. Lines one into the pen. His second home run of summer camp. And the Steelheads now lead it by a score of four to nothing. According to the skip, how's his bat doing right now? I would say it's in a, it's ready to roll. Um, yeah, they said that ball went like 475 feet or something, uh, the foul ball. Uh, and then he turned around and, and you know, uh, got Dan Altavila on, I think, about a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. So uh, Evans had a really good camp. I uh, really started in spring training you know, down in Arizona, but – really comfortable right now, really confident. Uh, I'd love to see young players that way. Certainly, you know, he hasn't played a major league game yet, and he's as excited to get to Houston as anybody. But uh, uh, can't wait to see how it plays out for him. He's just fun to watch, fun to watch defensively, and got a lot of confidence in the batter's box right now, and hopefully that continues throughout the whole season. Not to be outdone yesterday by Kyle Lewis, two batters later, adding to the hit parade with a two-run Opposite field shot, his fourth of summer camp. Seager lead, pitch to Kyle, swing and a fly ball to right field. This one is deep, Fraley going back, looking up, goodbye baseball. Kyle Lewis with his fourth home run of summer camp. Again, he goes the other way. This one with Kyle Seager aboard. And the Steelheads now lead it by a score of six to nothing. What a spring and summer for Kyle Lewis. Straight power right there. Kyle Lewis going oppo, according to Scott's service. Yeah, Kyle, what can you say? I mean, you couldn't have done more, um, asked for more out of him in this camp. Um, said it from day one when he showed up. It just looked a little bit different, um, carrying himself different, and, and it has not backed off at all. Uh, for a young player and how he prepares every day and doing everything he can to get the most out of himself, uh, it's, it's fun to watch. And then, obviously, he's getting results now, too, but – you don't see many right-handed hitters hit the ball like that in this ballpark, and we've had some good ones here. You know, I've watched Nelson Cruz here for for a few years, and uh, that's not easy to do. And right off the bat, you know it's a homer uh, when Kyle hits it, and when he stays behind the ball like he did tonight. So, uh, again, uh, these are young guys. Uh, they come with uh, a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. They're looking forward to every day, and it's been fun. It's been a really fun camp for us. On the mound, righty starter Kendall Graveman had an impressive outing, pitched four innings, one hit ball with eight strikeouts. Next offer on the way. Strike three called Graveman. Strikes out Braden Bishop. That's it for the Pilots in the bottom of the fourth inning. And Kendall Graveman, absolutely spectacular in his final tune-up here in the inter-squad season, the summer camp. He goes four innings of scoreless baseball, gives up one hit, and he strikes out eight along the way. What a job by Kendall Graveman. Also, just one walk for Kendall as well. He is less than a week out now from making his first start since undergoing uh, Tommy John surgery back in late July of 2018. And Scott Service uh, really impressed with him considering the recovery process. It's certainly, it's been a long time since he's pitched in a major league game. Um, you know, going through rehab and, and everything he's he's gone through, but uh, couldn't be happier for him. I uh, really love his demeanor on the mound. Uh, he's very in control, attacking. He's controlling the game. 
Um, and I think it's, it's a, such a great example for our younger pitchers to take a look at. So um, he does it, you know, his way. Obviously, the, the, the two-seam fastball and the cutter threw a lot of really good pitches on the inside part of the plate against left-handed hitters tonight, really dominated to his glove side. And when you can do that in this league, uh, you're going to have a lot of success. And on top of it, the, the velo that we've seen out of Graveman has been awesome. Uh, you know, it's 94-96 tonight uh, in total control. Yeah, not bad. Utilizing really his cutter and his slider against those lefties to be so effective. And Kendall, speaking about how good he felt after that as well. I think so. I I feel good. Uh, I'm treating this one just like a game as I would on Monday. So I think that's the biggest thing is going into it. I'm competing the best I can against teammates that I'm going to see here in 10 minutes. So I think it's hard to get your mind to do that. But preparation wise, it's got to be done. And felt sharp today. Felt like I located majority of the pitches, and the fastball came out well again. And um, we changed speeds when we needed to. So I thought overall, um, end up being a good day. Graveman was a two-time opening day starter for Oakland in 2017 and 2018 before, you know, struggling with some injuries and then getting Tommy John surgery eventually in July of 2018. So. Uh, what's been that process to go like from facing the Mariners to then playing for them? And really, will he get kind of emotional walking out onto that mound scheduled to get a start against Houston on Monday? Will it be a little emotional for him? It's going to be emotional for sure. Um, it's a uh, shoot. It's, it's the last little tune of Hazen and Bourne. And even now thinking about it is, is special for me, um, myself to step on a big league mound once again. And heck, I teared up when I made my first um, Arizona Fall League, or it was a, not a Fall League, but an Arizona AZL League game, that was almost a year ago to date. And it's just fun being out there to be able to compete. I'm blessed. I'm privileged to be able to get out there and do it again. Uh, not everybody has that opportunity coming off Tommy John surgery to to get back healthy and, and feel right. And, um, man, just blessed to be able to be out there. It's going to be very fun to compete with the guys that are behind me. I tell the guys before we go out, I'm going to give you everything that I have. I just ask that you do the same in return, and I'll do no different on Monday. So easy to root for there, Kendall Graveman, having a, another good start and scheduled once again on Monday to get a start against Houston. Coming up next on the Blitz, uh, the latest item to be agreed upon by owners and by players yesterday, paring down the training camp roster from the usual 90. What still needs to be agreed upon? It's next on The Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airline Studio. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. The crews alongside with you Wednesday, July 22nd. Baseball just a day away, opening day tomorrow, but the Mariners opening day on Friday. And remember, you can listen right here at 710 ESPN Seattle. It's just going to be fun to have baseball back on our airwaves, be hearing those familiar voices, Rick Riz, Aaron Goldsmith, uh, coming through the airwaves. So I'm excited. In the meantime, also, things are moving in positive direction towards NFL football happening this fall. Fingers crossed NFL training camps open next week. Team rosters will include, when they do, a maximum of 80 players as opposed to the usual 90. NFL uh, players were on a call Tuesday night discussing details of the league's latest proposal on health and safety protocols as the PA and the league attempt to finalize what the rules will look like surrounding training camp and beyond. 
Players who were on the call Tuesday night said there's been an agreement on several issues, but progress still has to be made on others. On Monday, we heard the NFL and NFLPA announced that they had agreed on COVID-19 testing protocols, which was a step in the right direction. Players and team personnel will be tested every day for the first two weeks of training camp, then every other day as long as their team's positive test rate remains under 5%. Now, how often could they have to be uh, tested? Jeff Darlington was on Golick and Wingo this morning, and he thinks that daily testing will need to happen for the entirety of the season. Daily testing for two weeks. Uh, so you'll know after two weeks, all right, you know, none of our guys have it. But what then? Like, th- players aren't in a bubble. It's not like the NBA where, like, okay, everybody, uh, nobody has it, and we're all in this bubble, so it's going to be okay. It's like those people go home to their families. What They go home to their family. Their wife just had dinner with a friend. She picked it up. He gets it. He brings it to his locker room, and poof. Like, that, that's, that's the thing that I guess I can't wrap my head around. You can do two weeks of testing, and if it goes above that 5% threshold, they'll go back to daily testing. But I, I just, for me in my head, given the close confines and the lack of social distancing that occurs naturally in football, it's very difficult for me to think that there'll ever be anything other than daily testing if there's going to be a successful season. The league and the union have also agreed to eliminate all preseason games this year and to uh, reduce the training camp roster size. But first or first off, why no preseason games was so important to players, according to Dan Graziano. And the players just felt it would be unnecessarily unsafe to put two teams in the same environment in a game situation for a game that doesn't count in the standings. When the priority is supposed to be on keeping everyone safe, keeping everyone in the facility tested the same way, etc. The other thing is this long ramp-up period the players want, which would involve 21 days of just strength and conditioning, followed by 10 days of non-padded practices before they get into the contact period. And because that's so long, and because there's a a limited amount of time between the start of training camp and the start of the regular season, preseason games would have made that more difficult because of their impact they have on the training camp schedule when you have to travel, etc. So a couple of reasons the players pushed for this. Uh, it looks like they're going to get it. Jim Trotter of NFL Media also on ESPN Radio yesterday talking about how teams really wanted one preseason game for a test run. The, the interesting thing for me about the preseason games is I talked to teams that, that wanted at least one game. They didn't want it in terms of player evaluation. What I was hearing from clubs, from GMs, from owners and others is they, they wanted that one preseason game to have a test run of what is, what is a game day going to look like under oh. these conditions. You know, for instance, if you have to travel even, what is that going to look like under, under, under COVID-19 protocols and whatnot? Um, what is it going to look like on the field where you're trying to do social distancing during a game? Um, what does that look like? There are all these questions that, that teams have, and, and what I kept hearing from them is they wanted at least one preseason game to, to get a test run and to feel what that's going to be like and hopefully um, to iron out any potential problems you would have going into week one. And, you know, as one GM said to me, he goes, look, if we had one game, I'm only playing my starters one series at most, right. you know, if at all. So it, it wasn't going to be about um, the game. It was going to be about trying to adjust to what a new life is going to be like for this season. 
I also thought this was an interesting topic. Dan Graziano asking if preseason games will be eliminated for good. Sadly, no. I would approve of such a plan. I think preseason games are a terrible thing and they should be eliminated, but I don't think that's going to happen. In fact, when you read the new CBA that was just signed in March, there are stipulations about when the regular season goes to 17 games. Remember when we were talking about this, by the way, every day? When the regular season goes to 17 games, the preseason goes down to three. So the owners still want to keep that slate of 20 gates, right? Of of, of 10 home games for each team, whether it's eight in the regular season or nine in the regular season, and then either one or two in the preseason. So, no, they still see them as a, as a revenue source, and they do still see them as a real uh, helpful evaluation tool. So I would be surprised if uh, this was anything more than a one-year blip, hopefully one-year blip. Hopefully we're still not dealing with this a year from now. What we do know is they have agreed on uh, the daily testing, the pared down of, of training camp rosters from 90 to 80, and those zero preseason games, but they still have to reach an agreement on several issues, including the ramp up or extended acclimation periods for players in training camp. And then also the opt out procedure for players that might have pre-existing health conditions uh, or who just decide that they aren't comfortable playing in 2020. Jim Trotter with some thoughts on that. For instance, with the opt outs, um, if you were in a high risk category, the NFLPA is pushing to say that you, if you meet one of the criteria listed under the CDC as being um, more at risk based on a condition you may have had or have, meaning, for instance, if you have had or if you uh, have sickle cell or if you're diabetic, if you've had cancer, those sorts of things, that um, you would be able to opt out by meeting one of those criteria. So far, the league has not agreed to that. Presumably, the league would want you to meet multiple criteria. One of them, for instance, is obesity. Well, how do you define obesity in the oh. NFL? That's yeah. something that they're also talking about. So so there are a number of things that still have to, in terms of the details, have to be worked out. But you hit all of the key points there that conceptually they've agreed on. There is, of course, the whole financial element. Of, but still, fingers crossed, training camps happening as of now and some of the basic health and safety protocols agreed upon coming up on the Blitz. We also know baseball is happening this week. And one of the uh, most fun Mariners to talk to, always love hearing from him, Justin Dunn, joining Bob David Moore yesterday. It's next on the Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Wednesday, July 22nd. Thanks for hanging out this morning. I've only mentioned it like 50 times. We're about two days out from Mariners baseball being back on and setting the tone for the Mariners will be Marco Gonzalez out on the mound against the Houston Astros. Uh, Yes, the world missing out on a few things beyond just baseball this year, but in the baseball world, missing out on the opportunity to boo the Astros in person this year. But Marco will be out there. He answered what it'll be like to go up against them in that first game, uh, plus many more questions yesterday on Danny and Gallant. Hey, Marco, how has this off season, if at all, changed your preparation for this season, and how is your body feeling? Yeah, if anything, the downtime the downtime gave me some time to, uh, you know, just, just stay in um, you know, be healthy, focus on, um, you know, some movement patterns that I, that I really wanted to spend some more time on this off season. So, um, you know, there's some positives in there in, in terms of taking care of your body. So I think overall, I think a lot of guys viewed it that way as well. They viewed it as time to, um, you know, get physically right, you know, whether that was 
getting more healthy or, or getting stronger. So, you know, just trying to take advantage of that time. And uh, I feel like I did a good job of that. I feel like I, I, I feel pretty good. What was your number one priority for this summer training session? Um, I think, you know, focus on, uh, on baseball coming out of my hand, um, throwing strikes. Um, I did a, a, a pretty good job of, of keeping my arm in shape over the downtime. And um, I had Austin Nola. Uh, he lives up here. So I was throwing bullpens and, and, uh, and some lives to him. So I, I felt like I did a pretty good job there. But getting back into a game situation um, with runners on base and, you know, you're working counts and, and innings and things like that is, is a different story. So really put an emphasis on, on throwing strikes and, and just going out there and competing. Marco, when I played football, a lot of people ask me, like, oh, how do you how do you focus with all that noise and, and everyone in the stands and stuff? Obviously, this year you guys aren't going to have people in the stands. Do you even pay attention to that? Like, because I know when I played, it was just like after the play, you would hear the crowd. Um, is that going to affect you in any in any way, or is it just business as usual for you? It'll be interesting. Um, in in the inner squads that we've had at T-Mobile, um, I definitely feel myself wanting to get more amped up. I, I feel myself wanting to, you know, increase my heart rate and get some adrenaline going. And, and that's something that's, that you can't replicate, you know, unless you have, you know, 30,000, 40,000 people in the stands. So um, it'll be different. Uh, we'll have to make it normal for sure. You know, we'll have to adapt to that. So, um, but I definitely feel that the game will be different see a little bit different brand of baseball and um you know i think it just adds that it, it takes away that element of, of, of pressure and and adrenaline for sure so something that will be missed but um you know maybe there will be some positives in there as well marco gonzalez will be on the hill for the mariners in opening day on friday against the houston astros with us right now you mentioned that elevated heart rate has there been a batter in these intra-squad games that has in particular gotten your heart rate up one of your teammates, who has been the most difficult out this summer sesh? <laughs> um, I think two guys stand out for me, um, Kyle Lewis and Evan White, and I think those are pretty obvious choices. These guys these guys have showed up ready to play. Um, two guys that really go about their business the, the right way, and um, they're fun to face. They, they compete the right way. Um, they're out there to make everybody better, and so I've really – valued having them in the box because um that challenge has gotten us to where we need to be and um i hope it gets me ready for game one that's that's really kind of uh what my hope has been is that we've been able to compete enough against each other to get each other ready now as one of the older guys on the roster you're still a young man but on this roster you're you're one of the older guys um how have you changed? What type of leader are you? Are you a vocal type of leader? Are you a lead by example type guy? What what approach do you take out there? I think I'm mostly a lead by example type of guy. Um, when I'm at the field, and especially during this this summer camp that we've had, um, we don't have a lot of time to get ready. So I've been pretty business, um, you know, business forward, and, and just really kind of focusing on on my routine and getting my body right. Um, doing the things I need to do in the weight room and training room. So I haven't had a ton of time to be the vocal leader. And to be honest, we haven't been around a lot of, you know, we haven't been around each other a lot. You know, we're in small groups and um, you don't get to see the entire team at once. So it is a kind of a different atmosphere team-wise. But um, there's moments where I am vocal, especially with our other starting pitchers, guys like Sheffield and Dunn, um, helping them through some things and, and in bullpens. But, 
um, overall, I feel like I'm, I want to set the right example and, and just go out there and, and show the guys how I compete and show them how I, how I battle and, and, that's, uh, and, and just show them what they're going to get from me. I know you've been very vocal as well when it comes to just the way that you feel about what the Houston Astros did this past season and in years before that with the cheating scandal, trash can banging, things like that. I, I can imagine there's a little extra juice for you going into this game on Friday. You get the first crack of all of baseball against this team. Do, do you feel a little extra pressure on you? I think there's some pressure about going out there and throwing a first game. Um, game one for us, definitely going into Houston, you know, where the World Series was played last year and, um, you know, going in against a tough lineup for sure. Um, I don't know if all that other stuff is hanging over my head. I think I've done a pretty good job of being able to separate that and, and just go in with a with a clean slate, clean mind, and go in and compete. You know, I, I want to go in and, and win a ball game. And, uh, you know, so I'm not putting all that, other, that all, all that other pressure on me right now. I think that's, that's a lot to handle. Um, pitching against a good lineup is, is enough pressure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to keep that off my shoulders for now. From one end of the rotation there with Marco Gonzalez to the other end of the rotation with Justin Dunn, who joined Bob, Dave, and more yesterday. His thoughts on the season. I'm just curious how things have gone for you. It's It's been interesting to watch these intra-squad games and, you know, masks and social distancing. How, how tough is it to break old habits and stay away from guys and keep that distance and all the other rules? Oh, you can't spit. You can't chew sunflower seeds, all that. What's it been like? I think I think that last one you said is the hardest one for me personally. The no spitting, it's I, I find myself it's like a routine, and after I get an out or throw a bad pitch, it's just a habit that I've formed over the years of playing for so many years. And I go to spit, and I have to catch myself and be like, oh, can't do that right <laughs> now, or you kind of get mad at yourself after you do it, or your scares are going to get in trouble. Um, but other than that, it, it was pretty easy to get into the routine. I think more of the problems are going to come on the on the field stuff of guys who like to chew gum during their bath to, to kind of relax them and guys who like sunflower seeds to relax them getting past that. But um, other than that, the math part and, and the other protocols that are put in place have been pretty easy to fall in line with. Hey, Justin, how, how I would say how disruptive, I guess, has it been this, uh, this delay and everything for you? What did you, what did you concentrate on and what kind of struggles did you have kind of put your mind around it? I mean, you guys are so, uh, oriented towards you know ritual and having everything start at the right time and what what kind of things did you concentrate on and and how tough was it? I wouldn't even say it was a, a disruption. I mean, depending on how you use the time, it was a blessing for me. I was able to clear some stuff up and, and get into a good place mentally and um, build upon where I was already at in camp and then work on some stuff pitch design wise with getting some more ride on my fastball and really working on the changeup and fine tuning a routine that I'm now getting to implement into a six day rotation and, and really getting some things going. So for me, it was a blessing and I was extremely happy for it. I wish it didn't last as long as it did, but um, I think depending on how you use the time, it could be, a, it could have been a great thing for some people. Hey, Justin, when you talk about some of the differences uh, from what I understand, uh, pitchers are allowed to have a wet rag out there on the mound. Do, do you know how many guys are, like, what percentage of guys are actually going to be doing that? From from just going on right now in inter-squads, I haven't seen really anyone with a wet rag. Um, 
we I don't know if guys on our team don't really use it or not. I mean, we've just been going out there pretty dry and just going with, with the ball and just kind of letting it eat. And the other thing, another offbeat question here for you, Justin. Uh, what, what about the dugouts? Are you guys just still scattering Gatorade cups all over, or is that is that changed? No, sir. No, sir. That is very much so cleaned up. Um, there's markers in the dugout of where to sit, where you can't sit. Um, you get your own individual water bottles. Um, it's pretty tightly run, and, and they're doing a really good job of taking every precaution possible to keep us on the field for as long as we can and get the season going. Hey, Justin, I was telling these guys, I watched a little bit of the uh, game between the Cubs and the White Sox the other day, and they played at Wrigley Field, and it was empty. And you could hear, it wasn't coming through the TV broadcast, but you could hear it in the stadium crowd noise being piped in there, and, you know, you'd hear applause yes, when a, you'd hear applause when somebody caught a pop-up and things like that. What, what do you think yes, of that? Would, do, you, do you welcome that, or would you rather you just, you just left it as it is and you just hear the sounds of the game, or do you like the idea of crowd noise? Where are you at with that? It doesn't really affect me too much. I mean, when you're in the heat of the moment, you're in battle, you don't really hear anything going on anyway. So the crowd noise is there, but it's not really there. Um, but I like the idea behind it of trying to make things feel as normal as possible because this is a very unorthodox season. So wherever we can find some normalcy in anything, I'm all for it. Um, I think music, the walkout songs going to play loud, and crowd noise are all ways to get guys amped up for the game because while we do get amped to play the fans add a whole nother level of excitement so um not having you guys in the stands is, is something that we're gonna have to overcome and i think adding the crowd noise in kind of gets that similar feel for some guys on the field it was justin dunn and you can listen to his full interview with bob dave and more online 710sports.com just click on that podcast tab it is right there for you up next on the blitz it's time for the hot list, the Toronto Blue Jays, they finally have a home ballpark. Good, too, because we were getting down to crunch time, getting down to the wire here, where they will play also MLB players having to rewire their brains for this season in a lot of ways next in the hot list right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines studio. It's time for... The Hot List. Holy mackerel. The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 645. Heck yes. What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go. The Toronto Blue Jays are expected to play a majority of their home games, not all, at PNC Park in Pittsburgh this season after federal officials in Canada refused to let the team Post games at the Rogers Center. An official announcement still pending approval from the state of Pennsylvania, but it is expected shortly. Canada's government denied the Blue Jays' request to play in Toronto because the regular season schedule would require frequent travel uh, to and from the United States, where COVID-19 cases are surging, not to mention all of the visiting teams that would have to head up there as well. The other 29 Major League teams plan on playing uh, the shortened season, the 60-game season, in their home ballparks without fans. Toronto will begin the season at Tampa Bay on Friday, so they had a little extra time before they had their first home game uh, against the Nationals that they were able to buy, but uh, good that they now have a home field to play in. The schedules for the Pirates and Blue Jays match up almost perfectly, which is crazy. Aside from July 29th, they don't have a home game on the same date until September 7th. 
The Blue Jays are scheduled to host Washington, where they play their previous series on July 29th, but they could stay in Washington to play their scheduled two-game home series, which is pretty incredible that they might have figured this out, perfectly lined up schedules. Baltimore has also been was also considered as a possible host site, as well as the team's AAA affiliate in Buffalo, New York, and the spring training facility in Florida. But as we know, it's a tough time to go to Florida right now and keep everything safe. Jeff Passan uh, spoke yesterday with ESPN Radio on how, because of the shortened season, a good start, well, it means everything. I don't think you need a good 40-game stretch to make the playoffs this year. I think if you have a good 20-game stretch, that can push you into the playoffs. I mean, we have to look at the math here. And the math is very simple. Every win in a 60-game season is equivalent to 2.7 wins in a normal season. Every loss in a 60-game season is equivalent to 2.7 losses in a normal season. So if you go on a three-game winning streak in this shortened season, that's the equivalent of an eight-game winning streak. If you go on a five-game losing streak, that is the equivalent of a 14-game losing streak. And when the math is that clear and says that much, you know the game is going to be very, very different this year. And that uh, a, a good start is not just uh, imperative, it's almost everything. Yeah, also having to adjust their strategies with the shorter season. Pedro Gomez speaking on Spain and Co. yesterday. Look, there's only so much that they can do other than play the game. So, uh, yes, you're going to try to win, obviously, every single night. You're not going to really punt any games like you would in a regular season where, you know, you're down 8-1 to in the sixth inning. You might say, okay, we're not putting any of our frontline relievers in the rest of the game. We're going to just, you know, have somebody come in to eat up innings and we'll we'll wait for tomorrow it's going to be different in that sense that there won't be any giveaways um so to speak and i you know a 30-man roster to start the season for the first couple of weeks it allows you to use many more pitchers but don't forget we have the new rule where each pitcher has to face at least three batters so you're you're not going to have that lefty lefty righty righty type thing that you normally would have. I mean, there are different rules this year as well being incorporated. So it's, uh, here's what I would say. A seven-game losing streak is the equivalent of about a 19-game losing streak in a 60-game season. So you've got to really try to eliminate any type of a losing streak. Yeah, fast start, fast start. It is not a marathon so much this year as a... Extended sprint. Jeff Passan also on MLB players having to rewire their brains. They're going to have to rewire their brains to get used to silence, to get used to like a couple of claps from teammates. And I, you know, for for athletes whose job it is to perform and not just perform in the sense of like put up numbers, but they are performance artists going out there and doing what they're great at and getting that immediate feedback from the crowd for whom they're performing, for that not to be there, uh, I think it's going to take some getting used to. And for some players, honestly, I don't think they're ever going to get used to it. I think it's going to really affect some players mentally, don't know who, don't know how, don't know when, where, or why, but I think there are going to be some guys who just never get used to this new normal that we have. The Wilf family that owns the Minnesota Vikings, they have emerged as a big-time candidate to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves, according to ESPN. There are several bidders 
for the team, including Metropolitan uh, New York real estate developer Meyer Orbach, who bought a minority stake in the Timberwolves back in 2016. Also, former Timberwolves standout Kevin Garnett also said that he's forming a group to try to purchase the team because, as we know... Anything's possible! Anything's possible! Yeah, it is. The Wolves emerged recently as one of the groups bidding to buy the team from billionaire Glenn Taylor. They bought the Vikings from Red McCombs in 2005 for $600 million. The NFL's franchise value night likely now well over $3 billion. Not bad turn on that. Taylor has owned the team, though, since 1994 when he bought it for about $88 million. He's seeking at least $1.2 billion for the team that has been valued higher than that, $1.4 uh, Taylor told The Athletic he will not sell the team to a group that wants to move it out of Minneapolis. That is a non-starter for him. A decision on the sale might not be made until September. Well, when fingers crossed, NFL training camps open next week. Teams' rosters will look a little different. They will include a maximum of 80 players as opposed to the usual 90 NFLPA players. On a call Tuesday yesterday discussing the details of the league's latest proposal on health and safety protocols, as they attempt to finalize all of the rules surrounding training camp and beyond. And players who were on the call yesterday said there's been agreement on several things, but progress still has to be made on others. At least we'll, we'll take the progress part of it, right? On Monday, the NFL and the NFL PA announced that they had agreed on COVID-19 testing protocols. That's pretty basic, so we're glad that's in the books. Players and team personnel will be tested every day for the first two weeks of training camp, then every other day as long as the team's positive test rate is and remains under 5%. The league and the union have agreed to eliminate all preseason games as well this year and now to reduce the training camp roster size from the usual 90 to 80. In a typical year, teams have to even add stalls to their usual locker rooms in order to accommodate 90-man camp rosters, but this year they've got to get even more creative in terms of locating new space and how they will fit that in for auxiliary locker rooms since social distancing rules mandate six feet of space between lockers. Some teams are using rooms that would otherwise be vacant. Other teams are bringing in trailers or finding other means of adding space. But paring down the roster at least uh, by 10 players does help them out on that front. Now, while agreements have been reached on several issues, we know others remain unresolved. Uh, the proposed extended acclimation period for players in training camp as of Tuesday night. The players had not agreed to the league's latest offer on that. Discussions are ongoing as well as how opt-out clauses will work this year. And then, of course, there's also the financial elephant in the room that still has to be discussed, how the players and the owners will split the loss of revenue moving forward, different ideas on how to do that. But as of right now, we'll just feel excited that we are moving towards training camp and football happening. We're also moving towards baseball. Yesterday or tomorrow is opening day. And then on Friday, the Mariners home opener against the Houston Astros. Yesterday, the Mariners having plenty of highlight reel moments, just four and a half innings of inter-squad play, which was cool to see. And Scott Service summon it up. Wow. Got crazy there at the end. The guys really swung the bats tonight, uh, which was great to see. And uh, outstanding. Uh, another really outstanding effort for uh, Kendall Graveman. He's ready to roll. So uh, a lot of good stuff out there tonight. Um we're getting closer. Uh, we've got one more to get through tomorrow, and, and then we'll jump on a plane. But uh, a lot of good things out there tonight. Really happy with what I saw, particularly on the mound. I thought, thought Graveman uh, was outstanding. On the offensive side of things, Kyle Seager, Austin Nola, Jose Marmaleos, each recording two hits. Uh, Marmaleos really breaking it open in the offensive floodgates, a three-run home run in the top of the first. But uh, even more fireworks later in the game after hitting a foul ball maybe to the moon. 
out of the ballpark, certainly. Uh, earlier in the game, first baseman Evan White barreling up a solo shot in the top of the fifth. Here comes the fastball, the 3-2. Fastball swung on, belted deep to left field. Bishop going back, and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. And in the Mariners' bullpen, Evan White looking for the fastball. Got it. Lines one into the pen. His second home run of summer camp. And the Steelheads now lead it by a score of four to nothing. Two batters later, Kyle Lewis adding to the hit parade with a two-run opposite field shot. Uh, Taco Tuesday, Oppo Taco Tuesday, is that a thing? His fourth of summer camp. Seager lead, pitch to Kyle, swing and a fly ball to right field. This one is deep, Fraley going back, looking up, goodbye baseball. Kyle Lewis with his fourth home run of summer camp. Again, he goes the other way. This one with Kyle Seeger aboard. And the Steelheads now lead it by a score of 6 to nothing. What a spring and summer for Kyle Lewis. Also some good news on the mound. Starter Kendall Graveman looking impressive out, out there. He pitched four innings, one hit ball, eight strikeouts, and just one walk for him. Next offer on the way. Strike three called Graveman. Strikes out Braden Bishop. That's it for the Pilots in the bottom of the fourth inning. And Kendall Graveman, absolutely spectacular in his final tune-up here in the inter-squad season, the summer camp. He goes four innings of scoreless baseball, gives up one hit, and he strikes out eight along the way. What a job by Kendall Graveman. This guy's really easy to root for, at least now that he's not in an Oakland A's uniform. He's less than a week out from making his first start since undergoing Tommy John surgery back in late July of 2018 on this roster with Taiwan Walker and Marco Gonzalez, two guys that have been through it as well and saying they helped provide him support with that. Couldn't be more excited for this guy who now gets the opportunity to start against Houston, scheduled for on Monday. And he talked about, will it be a little emotional for him? It's going to be emotional for sure. Um, it's a uh, shooting. It's, it's the last little tune of Hazen and Bourne and, even now thinking about it is, is special for me, um, myself, to step on a big league mound once again. And, heck, I teared up when I made my first um, Arizona Fall League, or it was a, not a Fall League, but an Arizona AZL League game. That was almost a year ago to date. And it's just fun being out there to be able to compete. I'm blessed. I'm privileged to be able to get out there and do it again. Uh, not everybody has an opportunity coming off Tommy John surgery to, to get back healthy and, and feel right. And, um Man, just blessed to be able to be out there. It's going to be very fun to compete with the guys that are behind me. I tell the guys before we go out, I'm going to give you everything that I have. I just ask that you do the same in return, and I'll do no different on Monday. That's a wrap for the Hot List and the entire Blitz at 6 Hour. Danny and Gallant coming your way now right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.